0: Hey Dunker Punks! Friendly Neighborhood host Jacob Krause here. Welcome to a unique episode. Back in September, I had the pleasure of filling up our house in D.C. with some sweet, sweet Dunker Punky music by inviting Mike Stern and a group of fans over. We had a nice house concert mixed in with some interviews by Tori Bateman to get to know where Mike's inspiration for his songwriting comes from. So sit back and enjoy this first ever Dunker Punks podcast concert. And today we're privileged to hear a voice that sings for peace. Welcome to the Dunker Punks Podcast.
1: Mine's kind of fuzzy, it's hard to stay focused. There's a million other things that I know I gotta notice. Rated on all sides A politics and pride, status updates all life. What should I say or do? If all I want to be is good. I want to see the better days yet to come. Live and learn the love, of love. What should I say or do? If all I want to be is good. To become a true. i
0: I'm your host, Jacob Krauss, here with a fantastic group of people in Northeast Washington, D.C. Give yourself a Today, we're recording a very special episode featuring an interview by our own Tori Bateman with our guest, Mike Stern. All right. I met Mike on at Honor Pieces Song and Story Festival, where he's a featured performer singing songs of justice, peace, and sometimes just silliness. He's been writing music since the 70s and has a great repertoire, so when we heard he was in town, we just had to get him on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Mike's history, listening to some music, and getting to play along. So, without further delay, let's turn it over to Tori Bateman and Mike Stern.
2: Well, thank you for being here, and I wanted to start with a I call it a counter-recruitment song. It's lasted through several wars already, and I'm hoping maybe it could be retired someday, but for the time being, let's sing it. You don't have to carry it going. You're
3: 18
2: years
4: old.
5: to say that the message of that song was not particularly subtle. (laughs) I mean, it's very clearly uh, based on values that you hold of peace and working for justice. I mean, very clearly you don't have to carry a gun. There are alternatives. Uh, I'm curious where those values came from for you in your personal life.
2: Well, certainly there's a a gospel basis for for that song and and many others. Uh, And I, I grew up in the Church of the Brethren, so being with Dunker Punks is a is an honor here. I was a punk in the <laughs> 60s and 70s, I guess. Um, so, and I grew up in a small church where uh, there was an active youth group and I had older uh, friends and, and siblings who were conscious objectors. Uh, so, you know, a lot of peace messages came through church and the Christian gospel and the folk revival of the 60s and 70s, which I... Which I grew up in,
5: and you also were a conscientious objector. Is that correct?
2: Yes, although I didn't register as a conscientious objector, I I became a conscientious war resistor. So I refused to register for the draft uh, during the Vietnam War.
5: Very good, and anyway, Could you explain a little bit more about what that meant for you and your in your experiences?
2: Well, if you if you study the history of that era or you lived through the 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 history of that era, there was uh, there was something called the lottery that affected um, men my age who were uh, eligible for the draft, and I made a point of, of deciding not to register before I knew the outcome of the lottery that would affect my birthday. So, if you if you essentially won the lottery, you wouldn't be drafted to anything, to either war or to do alternative service, and if you quote unquote lost the lottery, you weren't going to be drafted. And the point I made with the draft board and with uh, uh, the local newspapers and, and the Church of the Brethren was that I didn't feel I wanted to participate in that game, so I I refused to put my name in the lottery. Uh, I didn't feel it was merely about keeping myself out of the war, it was about ending the war and not letting... Or willingly letting someone else be drafted in my stead, but as, the, as it turned out, I was—I had an undraftable, lottery number of, you know, three hundred and thirty something. So I wouldn't have been drafted anyway. But the draft board and the federal prosecutor didn't take kindly to someone not registering for the draft, and it ended up that they prosecuted me for those convictions, and I was convicted for those.
5: Yeah, there seems to be, you know, conscientious objectors and others who resist drafts have a lot of repercussions in their lives um, as a result of that resistance to war. Mm-hmm. Um, have those followed you through your life, um, and how how has that conviction? Sort of well,
2: it, it, there was there were so many, and there are so many inconsistencies in how uh, the criminal justice system works. I mean, Bob Gross is one of our close friends who spent more time in federal penitentiary than any of the other. Resisters resistors that I know of who were uh, prosecuted. He spent, I believe, how many months? 18 months in Ashland, Kentucky uh, penitentiary, Uh, whereas I was convicted, but I was essentially sentenced to what would have been an alternative service. Uh, It was with the probation office rather than the the selective service system. So I was sentenced to a, a work stipulation of work in the, here I'm doing these air quotes again, in the national interest to do something that you, uh, I worked for a Head Start center uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, and counseled uh, high school kids who were considering what to do about the draft, but I didn't tell the probation officer <laughs> what I was doing <laughs> in my evenings and on weekends.
5: Fantastic. So obviously this is backdrop of the Vietnam War, um, and a very different context in a lot of ways than we're living in now, and yet you're still working on peace and justice issues. Um, In what ways has your performance and song changed since then, and in what ways has it stayed the same?
2: Well, I think a a lot of things are the same in that history repeats itself. Uh, And and yet, when there's no draft, I guess a lot of things change too. War is... You might think that war is different in that people aren't drafted, they're recruited, and so there's a lot of uh, kind of propaganda that leads people to enlist, uh, or they're trapped into joining the military now if you're going to be a soldier. um, But I think one of the things that repeats itself in history is that, um, and Martin Luther King... uh, pointed out this uh, very clearly in many ways, that uh, that war and poverty and racism are all mixed together. And if you look at the onset of a war, uh, you see that the first people to die are young. Uh, The young are put in harm's way, people who are poor are more likely to be on the front lines and put in harm's way, and people who are of color. Are uh, also disproportionately the not only the victims but but also the soldiers, and I think in many ways soldiers are victims. I like to work with. I'm I've been working recently with uh, Veterans for Peace on a uh, project they're doing called the the Golden Rule Project. But I'll sing that song for you a little bit later. But uh, I I. I I guess one thing I thought about with how war is different is that there are many similar things, but there are also unique things about the present. I mean, global warming and the, the catastrophes that are happening now. Um, I mean, even the hurricane. Let, let me do a song about about the flood. I think that's a service and kindness and being a good neighbor is a way of promoting peace. I wrote this song well before Hurricane Dorian and it has very recently hit the Bahamas and you know, the image of a flood is uh, one that was originally kind of a metaphor for this song but increasingly It's not just a metaphor. It's a a global reality that we're having floods um, affected by environmental insanity. Okay, this is about a flood.
4: River water rising Rain still coming down The old farms are lake But if the levees break, it'll damn near take this whole town. It's like living in a nightmare that you can't believe is true. How we'll clean up this mess is anybody's guess. Don't know how we'll make.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was really and nice to hear the whole whole room join in. And
3: Jacob. Yeah, playing Jacob bass. Playing that's bass. really
5: great. Woo. So obviously, you've been performing these peace and justice-related songs for decades now. Um, what role do you see music and performance playing in peace?
2: Well, I think it plays a huge role. I mean, uh, just one of my heroes is is Pete Seeger. Who uh, that's why I play a long neck banjo. It's in, in honor of, or uh, in watching and hearing Pete Seeger sing music about peace and music for children and uh, music about justice. Uh, so, what is what role does it play? Well, it plays. I mean, oh, here's here's a quote from Pete Seeger. Uh, he was he was introducing a song and he said. You know and it's very near the end of his life when he was recorded saying this uh he said um you know in a hundred years i think there's probably only a 50 50 chance that um that civilization will still be around but that implies that each one of us is a grain of sand on the scales that could tip it one way or the other and that's why Each life and each song is uh, can make a difference and that's why we have to keep singing 50-50
5: chance of civil civilization being here in 100 years that's what he said Um,
2: (laughs) I mean I don't know if I agree with that entirely but uh, on the other hand it's a great inspiration to think how how critical it is that we act and that we uh, show compassion and kindness and and save the environment and prevent nuclear war um, those are i mean it's it's critically important it's not something to give up or just let slide
5: yeah so i i think that quote speaks to like the heaviness of those topics mm-hmm. and sort of the, the importance of them
3: mm-hmm.
5: uh, how do you how do you engage with those topics in song constantly without losing hope like what gives you hope and energy as you're thinking about that sort of thing
2: well, I have to be completely honest with you i I, I don't always have a, <laughs> a lot of hope I think that music is not only a way of sharing hope but also a way to cope and and so music is sometimes dealing with um, mourning and rage and um, and also hope so I I sing to prevent nuclear war uh, and to perhaps one of my uh, goals is to stop the next war before it starts, too. And to stop the war that's still going on. I mean, it's been 18 years, and sometimes people forget that our country is at war, but we're at war in other ways, too. We're at war against immigrants, and we're at war against Diversity. And so I think uh, as peacemakers, we have to consider all those different ways of, of standing up. Let's stand up. What do you think? And that was the other one that I was thinking of doing in here. Actually, we'll do two stand up songs. Stand up uh, based on the words of Martin Niemoller, and then standing in oppression way. I need your help on all.
4: First they came for the communists And they came for the Jews But I wasn't a communist I wasn't a Jew So I didn't stand up And I didn't ask why By the time
2: Another stand up song. This one's called Standing in Oppression's Way. Standing in Oppression's Way.
4: When some folks read the Bible, they think of God up in the sky. And the only end to suffering is some great by and by. But the way I read the Bible, I see it in a different way. What a friend we have. And I wanna know if I'm here. I'm here.
5: way, that's definitely a call to action. Um, to close this out, could you tell me what that looks like today? What does it look like for someone to stand in oppression's way in today's world?
2: Well, I think it means that we have to do something for the oppressed. Sometimes it's standing with them, sometimes it's speaking out against the tyranny of oppression. So, I, you know, sometimes it's about just teaching our children how to be decent human beings and create a model of something different than what uh, our national policies may be or what uh, a, a lot of people may do to harm others. We have to get in the way of, of oppressors. does that mean? Well, you tell me. (laughs) It means a lot of things. Uh, It means voting. It means demonstrating. It means raising and teaching children. It means having friends in different countries who speak different languages in this country. Um, You know, some of the groups that I've Worked with over the years are like Fellowship of Reconciliation. If you read the history about about and Veterans for Peace and uh, who else, the World Friendship Center in Hiroshima, they're uh, they're people who committed themselves to friendship and not even if their countries went went to war against one another, they would not stop defending one another and speaking up. But there's a lot to that. I just write songs. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do the one with the tracks. It's called As If the Flowers Knew. It was 74 years ago, on August 6, 1945, that the US dropped the world's first atomic bomb on Hiroshima. It was at least 2,000 times more powerful than any bomb ever used before. And it devastated uh, an area of approximately five square miles. And at least 70,000 people died instantly. And the number of deaths caused by burns and uh, other injuries and radiation doubled by the end of that year. Many more suffered long-term illness and disability.
4: A flower grows in Hiroshima. Known by very few, its color changes at a certain time. As if the flowers knew. Spring till early August, it remains solid. Then its edges appear to be burned as if the flowers of Every August 6th at 8 15, The blossom changes hue As if the flowers knew I think flowers remember And there's something else they do They pass that memory on If only we will too so they the Still, the flowers thrive. A flower grows in Hiroshima. Known by very cute. This color changes.
2: Um, I wanted to do one that's about a It's a, a sea shanty that's a, a more recent song of mine. Um, it's about these two ships that set sail from California in 1958, and they're very remarkable ships. One was named the Golden Rule, um, and it was uh, skippered by a guy named Bert Bigelow, who was a former lieutenant in the Navy during World War II, uh, but he uh, was so troubled by what he saw in war that he uh, resigned his commission in the Navy and uh, became a Quaker peace activist and uh, got this ship that they called the Golden Rule, which was was a good name for a, a peace activist ship, uh, an anti-nuclear ship, because the plan was to sail it into the Marshall Islands where the U.S. was testing more nuclear weapons, and they were getting in the way. They were going to get in the way of nuclear testing to try to bring light to the uh, insanity and immorality uh, of nuclear war. So uh, the, the Golden Rule was sealed in. And this ship sank. Uh, it after they did a, a lot of peace uh, and anti-war and anti-nuclear uh, work, it sank off the coast of California by and was left to rot uh, underwater. And it was raised by Veterans for Peace and refurbished. And so I wrote this song for the for the Golden Rule and the Phoenix, another good name for an anti-nuclear ship, because uh, if you think of the names of the ships in context with history, Uh, the U.S. had to impound and arrest the Golden Rule to prevent her from protesting nuclear weapons. And the same with the Phoenix. Phoenix, of course, is the mythical bird that arises from out of the ashes of destruction. So anyway, this, this is a ballad about those two ships. I'm also using the background tracks so that I can have these... Wonderful musicians, in addition to Jacob, uh, play with me. Uh, This guy was a flautist named um, Greg Strauss. To listen to his flute when he's, I said, can you play something that sounds like a penny whistle? And he says, oh, I got a early 1900s Native American flute. I can probably make it sound like a penny whistle. So that's that's what he's playing now. Thank you.
4: They grow.
2: Researching for that song, and uh, one of the fun stories I read from Bert Bigelow's—you uh, don't call him diaries. What does the ship's captain say? The log. The log. Uh, apparently, when they were held in jail in Honolulu, he was having his—I think it was his 55th birthday—and his daughter was somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, she was a, in high school, a, a teenager at the time. And she wanted to get a call through to her to her dad to wish him happy birthday while he was in jail and so this is the song she sang for him um, for he's a jolly good fellow and for he's a jolly good fellow and for he's a jolly good fellow which nobody can deny) <laughs> <laughs> This is when I ask someone to tell a joke while I'm uh, getting in tune.
0: Thanks so much to Tori and Mike for such a fun and inspirational event. If you want to hear more songs from Mike, check out his website, mikesongs.net. And if you'd like to join us next summer to hear more stories and songs from Mike and similar artists, Song and Story Festival will be held in Michigan. And you can find out more info on that on the sponsor's website at onearthpeace.org. The Dunker Punks Podcast is a collection of unique voices seeking peace and justice through great music. This episode was created by Tori Bateman featuring Mike Stern, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I was the host, editor, and bassist for this episode. Kerrig Van Assel creates the graphics for Dunker Punks Pod. Dean Fiesenheiser transcribes the episodes. Suzanne Lay manages production. The Arlington Church of the Brethren generously hosts and sponsors the show on their website. On Earth Peace provides ongoing outreach and production support. You can find archives of the podcast on iTunes and online at arlingtoncob.org slash DPP. Connect with this show on social media at DunkerPunksPod or by emailing us at dpp at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Stay tuned for our next show in a couple weeks from Logan Schrog And happy Turkey Day. Peace.